is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, and I'm here every week, and we talk about the psychological side of sports on this show. We get into things like sportsmanship, mindsets, attitudes, mental preparation, how you focus under pressure, what do winning and losing really mean, what is it all about. And uh, hopefully you're staying warm this morning because today in Kansas City it is about 15 below wind chill, something like that, so it's a nice toasty morning. Good day to not go outside and walk. I'll be doing that inside this morning after the show. So, you know, I've been on the air now 30 years here in Kansas City, last 20 at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist, and throughout my career, I've had the privilege to meet a lot of great people. And I've admired a lot of great people from the side. And throughout my, my work, I've met lots of coaches, lots of athletes, lots of trainers, doctors, all kinds of people, owners, general managers, all kinds of great people. And then I've admired people from afar. Obviously here in Kansas City, being a, a fan of teams here for my life, I've had the privilege to meet a lot of great people. One of those people is gonna be joining me here in a few minutes this morning, his name's Al Saunders. He's NFL coach for 40 years, coached here in Kansas City a couple of times with Marty Schottenheimer and Dick Vermeil. And also joining us this morning will be Emil Harry, who was a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs back in the 1990s. If you listen to the show, you know I was on a few weeks ago talking about the playoffs. <clears throat> but this past week, we lost a great man. Someone I've never met. Someone I admired from afar. His name is Marty Schottenheimer. And we're going to play a clip of Marty here in a minute. Some of his motivational speeches. He coached for 22 years. He had 200 wins in the regular season, five in the postseason as a head coach with the Chiefs, the Browns, the Redskins, and the Chargers. Everyone that I know that knew him said he was a wonderful man, a great man, and I've asked these two gentlemen to join us this morning to talk about Marty. And now I'd like to play a clip of some of Marty's great speeches, and we're going to start talking about him in a moment. When you step across the white stripe, the only thing that matters is that six inches between your backbone and your breastbone. Raise your eyes up, right above is the next rung. Reach out and grab that rung. Pull yourself, push your buddy. The next rung is today, let's go. You can, you will, you believe, you believe, you believe. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right, let's go. This is a game of the heart. A game of being a man, let's go. Do not underestimate the power of the human will. Light the ignition, let's get this rocket ship going up now. Those two little letters, W-E-W-E, 
Those two little letters, U.S., us, they're powerful. They're powerful. Great job. That's it. I like the character of this football team. Because I'll tell you what, guys, when you get your back in a corner and people start looking left and right, all you got to do in this locker room is look at one another. Let's build our house. Let's go. Focus and finish. Boat's loaded, man. Let's roll. Let's go, everybody up. We know the strength. The strength of this team is this team. We're going to 8 and 1. Mile marker 9. We started at the beginning with one phrase focus, finish. Let's go. You guys stood tall. You reached down in the inner part of your gut and you did what had to be done. And I want to tell you something, guys. When you do that, there ain't nobody can ever take that away from you because you did it. And I'm proud of you. Congratulations. Those are some clips from Marty Schottenheimer, some of the great motivational talks he would give to players during the year. And as I said, joining us this morning are Al Saunders and Emil Harry. Al, Emil, first of all, thank you both for joining me and take, getting up so early to be with us today. Al, let's start with you. You you coached with Marty for a long time. What was he like as a person? Well, that's a major question. By the <laughs> way, those, those, were, those were some great that, that took me back. That took me back a while. I was with Marty for 101 of those 200 wins, and uh, to hear that voice resonate, uh, to hear you know what he had to say, it really takes you back in an emotional way. You know, Marty was a Marty was a special man, and, and he was a special man to me. I, I think I probably worked for him probably longer than any assistant coach that he he had, um, and probably loved him more than any assistant coach he had. Uh, he, he he could command a room like nobody I had ever been around. I've worked for Joe Gibbs, and, and, and Dick Vermeil was special, and uh, Don Coriel was special, Johnny Major, John McKay. Uh, they, they were all terrific when they were in front of the team. But, but Marty was so... Uh, he was so eloquent in his speech. I mean, he was an English major. Uh, he was a commanding figure, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, handsome guy, had tremendous passion in his words and tremendous passion in his voice, as you heard on, on those clips. And he made you believe, you know, when, when, you, say, when you say, think of a coach, you know, uh, just imagine an NFL coach. All of the adjectives you could think of would apply to Marty. And a work ethic, tough teacher, disciplined, a mentor, um, you know, a, a tremendous communicator. And then you talk about what is a friend. You know, you think about how do you define a friend and all the adjectives that, that I feel uh, for Marty. And I considered him not only a great friend, um, but a great mentor and a great coach. And you think of a friend as, you know, somebody who's honest and who you can trust and who's loyal and who's dependable and who will listen to you and who cares for you and cares about you. And that was Marty. Marty crossed that line of friendship and, and coach together um, with all the people he dealt with, with his players, with his team. And that's why it was so great to work for Marty and play for Marty. And when he, when he resigned uh, in his 10th season, uh, after his 10th season in Kansas City, I, I went into his office and I said, Marty, you can't do this. And he looked at me and he says, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. You know, this is the right thing to do. I said, but you know what? Nobody will ever be able to play for you again. And nobody will ever be able to coach for you again. And I said, what a loss that is to the game of football that you love so much. And Marty left Kansas City and then came right back and ended up coaching Washington Redskins a while later and stayed in coaching again as he went to San Diego and then coached in the UFL, the Virginia franchise, 
um, and he, he's just special. You know, you, you you meet people in your life that uh, that kind of pass, and then you meet people in your life that stay with you forever. And Marty is one of those men for me, both professionally and personally, uh, that will stay for me forever. We're going to go to our commercial break here in a few minutes. When we come back, Emil, I'd like you to comment on what it was like to be coached by this man. I mean, we've been listening to Al, and of course Al is your position coach as a wide receiver. You work with him, offensive coordinator and, and wide receivers coach. Al, Al did all that. And I'd like you to comment when we come back from our break just what it was like to, to have a man with the passion that Marty had and, and the leadership skills. You know, today we, we're in a society where leadership is talked about so much from the political, political perspective, but I think sports – really can be a good guideline and a good way to help get people understand what good leaders are about. And when we come back, Emil Harry is going to start commenting on that and his experiences as a player for Marty. We've heard from Al Saunders. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. We talk about all kinds of issues on this show, topics that affect us from the world of sports. And today the show's about Marty Schottenheimer, the great coach who just passed away. We're going to talk about his career. And I'm so lucky to have two gentlemen on with us who know him really well. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Let's be honest, the National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, 
your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hope you're staying warm wherever you are in this country this morning because it's cold, I think, pretty much everywhere but Florida. Anyway, today's show is a show about Marty Schottenheimer, who the great coach who just passed away this, this past week. And he's eighth in career wins at 205, seventh in the regular season with 200 wins. Coached here in Kansas City for a long time. And joining us this morning are Al Saunders, his longtime assistant coach, a good friend of mine, and Emil Harry, wide receiver who played almost all of his career with the Chiefs. So, Emil, as a player... What was it like to have Marty as your coach? What, what did he do to help you, to motivate you, to, to challenge you? Um, it, it seems like a difficult question, but when I really think about it, and in the, in the context of today, thinking about Marty galvanizes, I think, what we lack in society. What I remember was he was more of a father figure. I mean, you wanted to play well for him. You wanted to do your best. Um, I think one of the most telling things that he ever did that made me respect, appreciate, and look at him in that light was uh, there was a running back by the name of Barry Word, which we all remember, and I haven't spoken that word in a while. Um, and he had a game where, let's just say, Marty called him out in a meeting, and it wasn't pretty, and the next week, Barry Word ran for Chiefs record 203 yards and three touchdowns, and it was amazing. And what really struck me was Marty then came into the team meeting just like he had done and called him out in front of the team. He exonerated him. He apologized and said, I was wrong. How many men do that today? That's, that's, an, amazing, that's an amazing, excuse me, that, that's an amazing thing to hear. 
that he would. Uh, why, I mean, and why did he apologize, Emil? Why did he do that? Um, because he, he embarrassed him. And I'm not going to give you the details of what was said, but it was definitely something that was something to do. And that showed me that Marty was a man, I mean, and a father. Because in our society, we expect everybody to be perfect. No mistakes. No. Well, you know what? That's just not reality. And that type of thing that you have to live up to is unrealistic. But being able to be wrong and then to admit in front of everybody that you were wrong and apologize humbly. And as Al wrote, you know, there's, there is a place for crying in football. I mean, he literally humbled himself and, and asked for his forgiveness. And that is the key to being a man in this world today. And that's what I, I remember most about Marty. And when I think about what he meant to me as a person, as a husband, as a um, father, but then also as a player and as a man. Um, one of the things that, that, I, that I thought about last night and dreamt about was something that he said that I took with me everywhere and every place I go was one play at a time. Can't control the one before you can't change it you can't alter it but you can focus on and do your best and conquer this one this one play and then move to the next one and that's the same thing with life is one day at a time i mean a it's biblical and i believe you know that that has credence but um one play at a time you can't control tomorrow you can't control you can't change yesterday but you can affect today Al, how, Al, can you comment on what Emil just just said? That that that's really really strong. Yeah, I think I think if you talk to anybody that that came across Marty in a coaching environment, if you had a phrase to say how what is Marty's legacy, you know, it's exactly what Emil just referred to, and that's you know one play at a time, one game at a time. He used to say, "Hey, don't think about the past. There's no future in it." You know, you just keep working and keep grinding, and things will turn out. You can't control what you can't control. You just play one play at a time. He used to have the 24-hour rule for our staff, uh, and his <laughs> wife, Patty, used to enforce that all the time. He said, after a game, win, lose, or draw, you have 24 hours either to feel sorry for yourself, to feel badly about what happened, to feel great about what happened, but you have 24 hours because after 24 hours, we start over again. We take one game at a time and one play at a time. He used to say, and I, I, I remember this uh, vividly, and the same thing in, in line with what what, uh, what Emil has said, you know, he had such passion for the game and such right. passion for people. And he used to say, hey, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you the truth. And and that is such an impacting thing for someone to say, just as, as Emil had inferred to, to Marty's vulnerability, um, you know, he was so honest. He was on, honest. You know, people thought he was really stubborn. Well, maybe that is his German background. I don't know. And he, he was stubborn in some things in, 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 uh, in a coaching meeting in terms of doing what he really felt was right. But he was, he was so ethical in what he did. And you could trust him. And that, that story about Barry Ward, I, I, you know, I'd kind of forgotten that a little bit. And I, I, I thought it was just reminiscing when Emil was talking about that. And that, that was so profound. And that was so Marty, you know, because he was that way. Uh, with the staff, he was that way. With with we lived eight houses up from him uh, in Overland Park, and for ten years, and his wife and my wife became very close. And I had opportunities to talk with Marty about lots of other things than football, 
know, about life in general, about family, about about people. And the thing is, he was so consistent with with what he believed, and so consistent about what he said. And he was he was so vulnerable. Uh, when I say vulnerable, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a sensitive way that you just didn't imagine him to be. And that's what I think made him so special. Is that that, that story uh, that Emil articulated so well was just uh, that that was so Marty Schottenheimer. And conversely, when he talked about the Raiders, <laughs> how about that, Emil? You know what? We had Raiders <laughs> week, and uh, you know. And, well, yeah, I want Marty, I want to get in. I want to get into that in our second half of our show about the Raiders with you too, but. There was a method in his madness to that, and that was all part of, um, you know, what he believed, and, and it, it wasn't really a, <clears throat> we'll, we'll talk about it next, but it wasn't directed necessarily toward the Raiders. It was about us and about how important it was to have a rival and how important it was to play well against really good football teams, you know, and to win the division, we had to beat the Raiders. And, and that was the focus of attention for Marty in, uh, in, in moving forward in that regard. Emil, real quick before we go to the break, um, you, you, you sort of chuckled there when I was talking for a second. Remember that? that yeah. What, what was that about real quick? Um, just the, the Raiders always made Marty see red. I mean, he was more of a chief from Raider Week because everything was red. I mean, it wasn't that they angered him, but they were the team to beat. And he just felt, we're more disciplined than they are. We're going to make them jump off sides. You know, and Steve DeBerg was a, a master at that. And it came down to it at the end of the game. Just I, I just chuckled because I can remember uh, how he lost jumping off sides like for the third or fourth time in the last two minutes or whatever. And Steve DeBerg literally laughing and to look at Marty going, just shaking his head, I told you so. It's just, it was so typical Marty. I mean, again, what an influence, you know, in the lives of, of, of I can only speak for myself, in my own life, and when things get hard, you know, never giving up, right. one play at a time. Yeah, all those, yeah, all those, all those statements. Yeah, we're we got to go to a break here. We come back. I, I want to talk about leadership and where that's missing in coaching and life today. We come back. I'm a sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio.
Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm very, very privileged this morning to have joining me two gentlemen, Al Saunders, coached in the NFL for 40 years and Emil Harry who played wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs for the majority of his career we're talking about the passing of Marty Schottenheimer the eighth leading coach in terms of wins in the history of the NFL but maybe one of the most passionate coaches these gentlemen knew and obviously loved as a person and and Emil let me let me ask you this question you know today in, in our society obviously there's so much going on in terms of leadership the questions about leadership. And I think coaches are leaders, obviously. Coaches are guides, they're mentors, they're disciplinarians, they're psychologists. They wear many hats, as Al has had throughout his career. He's a former head coach as well. 
Um, what what did you get from Marty from that perspective, and, and how has that helped shape you in terms of your life? Um, one, that you can fail. Okay, that that's number one. That if you're worrying about failing, you're not worrying about winning. Um, and that's in everything in your life. The other thing is making it your personal responsibility to be prepared. So when the play comes to you, make a difference. And in, in our society today, with all the social injustice, I think it's more not about the protesters that are out there. And I know this is going a little bit, but I'll bring it real back real quick. It's every American's personal responsibility to confront racial injustice when it arises, period. Unless it's black, white, red, brown, green, purple, whatever. It is you as an American, your personal responsibility. And that's one of the things that Marty taught me as a player that I've carried over, is that it's your personal responsibility to know your job and do your job to the best of your ability and accept nothing else. Um, when Marty first got there, he, uh, they drafted some receivers, and I was like the fifth wide receiver. And he actually came to me and said, hey, I don't want you to see this as we're trying to replace you unless you want to be replaced. And he said, I'm bringing these people in to challenge you to bring the best out of you. And then Al came in and, you know, and history is history. He motivated me like no other coach I've had ever did. Marty you know, and he together. You know, Al, I want to get into this. Coaches, and you've known me for a long time, you know where I come from with this. I mean, coaches are guides, are psychologists. They have to understand their players. And as an NFL locker room is a collage of so many different things. It, it, you've got coaches. You've got ex-head coaches who are assistant coaches. You've got all kinds of team personnel working there. Then you have all the players. And you've got players who are black, who are white, who are from strong families, divorced families, single-parent families, inner cities, suburbs, farms. A coach has to bring everybody together. How did how did you all do that? And then I want to have Emil comment on that as well. I mean, how, as coaches, how did Marty do that so successfully? Um, well, that, that's an, another interesting question again, and I think it comes from what we feel inside uh, of all of us. I, I always felt like players players really don't care what you know until they know that you care and care for them personally, care for their families, care for their progress as players. And I've always felt like like all players um, will respond with what they can do physically, emotionally, and mentally, you know, if you can make them better. But I don't know that anybody, uh, you can reach very many people if you don't, if they don't know that you really care about them in, a, in an honest and, and, and trustful way. Um, so that was always my my goal was always in the National Football League to, to treat every player that I coached like a first round draft choice and respect every player with the dignity that I would give my own children. And and to me, that transcends everything you do as a teacher, because coaches, coaches are teachers, you know, and, and I, I asked Marty, you know, one of one of the great things that Marty did was identify 
really great coaches. Um, and, I mean, we had that first staff. The, the meal was on there in 1989. Bill Cower was our defensive coordinator. Uh, Tony Dungy was our secondary coach. Bruce Arians was our running back coach. Uh, Marvin Lewis and Herm Edwards were interns in the summer. Uh, Howard Mudd was our offensive line coach. I coached the receivers. Mike McCarthy was a graduate assistant. <laughs> so we had there were, there were four coaches right there that have won Super Bowls, two of which are in the Hall of Fame. And I asked Marty at one time, Marty, what do you look for in a coach? And what, what to you would be a great coach's characteristics and qualities to have? He said two things. He says, I want a great teacher, and I want somebody who is very demanding. If you're a great teacher and you're not demanding, you will never get out of the players what they had to give you. And if you're not demanding... And you're a great teacher. Excuse me. If you're if you're very demanding and you're not a great teacher, they will turn you off. Let me have Emil jump in on that, Al, right there. Emil, comment on that, please. Um. Well, I take Al as an example. He was able to break down as a teacher everything about not just what it took to be a great wide receiver or a better wide receiver or a good wide receiver, but to just be a wide receiver. And he was demanding about what he wanted from us. Drops were, you know, that's just not something you did because that's your job. And number two, I think you'll laugh at this. We had a tendency in the AFC West to have large safeties, and they would come flying up, and I'm not all that large. So we decided to cut them. And we were all basically, how do you say, um, reluctant to do that some sort of code, don't go after the legs or whatever. I don't know. But Al got out there with a pad and a thing, and we he he was the guy we were cutting. He would come down, and we'd have to cut him. And he was we were flipping him in the air. It was hilarious, but that is the type of commitment that made you think, if this guy's willing to do this to make sure that we do this, we need to go out and play for this and do this because it was real. I mean, it wasn't like we were pulling up, cutting him. He was coming flying up, and we were taking his legs, and he was flipping over. I mean, I think even the other team stopped for a minute and watched us doing this. It was hilarious and not so hilarious all at the same time. Do you remember that, Al? I, I do, and I'm still sore from it. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was brutal. But that was the commitment that Marty set down and Al took a part of as a teacher and as being demanding. And we personified it when we played. You know, that's how yeah, we there, there, In relation to that, Emil, I, I always remember, uh, and this is both of our Stanford backgrounds, right? I, I, I had a, 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 a professor in the Department of Education say, and this has always stayed with me, he said there's a difference between telling and teaching. And part of that, uh, me being a defensive back, me being a, you know, Ronnie Lott and Steve Atwater, and <laughs> not not quite that large, but coming up with a pad and having you guys, you know, block me or knock me down below the waist and flip me up in the air. Part of that was, you know what, I can tell them to do it, but I need to teach them to do it. And that, that's always stayed with me my entire life. I, I always feel from a coaching perspective, there, there are many guys that, and I'm sure I yelled at you once in a while, but it was always from a good heart. <laughs> but there's no, a difference yeah. between telling and players to I do things and teaching players. And that's in every sport, swimming, you know, cycling, baseball, basketball, table tennis, or uh, dealing and raising your own children. You can tell them, 
but you need to teach them. And, and that was right. something that I really felt Marty did an extremely good job of. I mean, to me, to me, like I said earlier, a, a, a great coaches. Well, well, every any coach wears many hats, and Al, obviously, you you know that. It, you're you're a guide, you're a disciplinarian, you're a teacher, you're a psychologist. When we come back from this next break, I want to do our last segment about how Marty taught how to deal with losing. Nobody likes to lose, especially in the NFL. Of course, here in Kansas City, the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl last weekend. A lot of people are upset about that, but I, I was talking to my son after the game, and he was upset, and I said, you know what, son, look, the last three years the Chiefs lost, the AFC Championship came in overtime, they won the Super Bowl, and they lost the Super Bowl. I think a lot of guys wouldn't be too unhappy with those results. Yeah, you, you don't want to get there and lose, and we'll talk about that, but how you coach losing, how you deal with losing, which is such an important component, because we're all going to lose. And it, 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 I think learning to deal with that's so important. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs joining me this morning. Our NFL great coach Al Saunders, former wide receiver Emil Harry, two wonderful gentlemen who've taken the time to talk about their relationship with Marty Schottenheimer, the great coach who just passed away. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. 
Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. And joining me this morning... Two great guests, Al Saunders, good friend who I've known for a long time, coached for many, many years in the NFL, and Emil Harry, wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs for six years, talking about the passing of Marty Schottenheimer, uh, good friend, coach to both of these gentlemen. And we went to our break, guys, and, and uh, losing. We all unfortunately lose. You know, I, I've, I've worked with so many young people. And one of the things I always talk about is listening to you guys talk about what Marty talked about. I always talk about TNP, the next play, okay, the next shot, the next kick, whatever it might be. Focus on what's in front of you, but deal with what happens. And and we unfortunately in sports we're all going to lose. How did Marty Schottenheimer handle losing? How did he coach dealing with it and moving on from it? Emil, want you start? I think the first thing first thing was something that uh, Al said earlier about the twenty four hour rule. I mean, we all, at least I know in my house, we had it. I could talk about it. I could preen over it for just 24 hours, and then it was on to the next thing. And that included at the end of the season when it didn't end up with a Super Bowl championship, which it didn't, you know, the years I was there. You know, I got a little bit longer a week, and then it was back to work, getting back into my workout routine. I would generally go fishing, take some time to reflect on it. You know, with, with the season, it's shorter. But off-season is just as important. The Chiefs this off-season are going to have not have a mountain to climb, but there's a sting to that. So you have to deal with it, accept it, and then move on from it. But debriefing or to go back and look at what happened, and I think that's the biggest thing, is accepting it and looking back at it and then moving on. And sometimes that's all you need to do in life is accept this happened, and move on to the next play and stop going back and repeating in your head or your heart or in your actions what you did previously. And in society today, obviously, that's an issue that, that we're all dealing with in terms of looking at in how... In America, we like to blame. <laughs> right, instead, instead of, of taking responsibility. responsibility. Instead of taking responsibility. Personal right. responsibility. Al, your, th- your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I've always felt, uh, and I've kind of learned this along the road, um, you know, losing is temporary. <laughs> you know, it's what you do about it that's permanent. And I think when you look at that, and it's the same with victory. You know, victory is temporary. Uh, and uh, what you do about that when you follow a great victory or something in your life that has been is really good, things change. And, you know, Marty didn't like losing. None of us like losing. None of us like not doing well or not doing what we think we're capable of doing in any situation. But his, you know, 24-hour rule, like Emil said, the one play at a time, like you inferred and referred to, um, you know, and, and don't live in the past. There's no future in it. You know, it's, it's circumstances control you or you control your circumstances. And I think that what I, what I really uh, 
appreciated and respected, uh, you know, among many other things, uh, from Marty Schottenheimer was was his work ethic, uh, his tolerance for for things uh, when they went right or when they went wrong, um, but his his fortitude and his energy and his passion, if things didn't go well, you know, to change them, not not to, to wallow in, you know, the the self pity of, of of not having. Uh, you know, an opportunity to win. He, he, he and, I, and that word pity, I remember him saying that one time. Uh, we, we lost a game. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It was early in the career, and we had a staff meeting. And, and he kind of laid into the entire staff. Everybody was real down in the dumps. And he says, hey, he says, don't waste your time feeling sorry for yourself. We don't feel sorry for ourselves. We do something about it. And, that, and that's, I remember him saying, and that's when he said, circumstances can control you or you can control the circumstances. You know, he, he had a way of, of, of giving it a little boost of energy. I know he was as disappointed as anybody, but uh, Marty, Marty handled it uh, like a true leader and, and somebody that you want to follow. And Emil said this earlier in, the, in, in his statements about you just didn't want to let him down. So if we had a situation where we lost a game, and this man, by the way, head coach in the National Football League for 21 years, he only experienced two losing seasons, two. And and one of them, the first one, the first one he ever experienced was his 10th year uh, in Kansas City after he signed a five-year contract and called us all in on Tuesday, the staff on Tuesday after that last game uh, in 1998 and said, man, he says, I'm I'm uh, resigning as the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. And we're going, you got you got to be kidding me, you know. Um, he says, no. He says, uh, you know, I, I put this team together. I owe it to Lamar Hunt, who he loved dearly. I owe it to Lamar Hunt to coach a winning football team. He says, uh, I'm going to move on. And I remember going into his office. I don't know if I said this earlier in the broadcast, but I went into his office and said, Marty, you can't do this. And he goes, I have to do this. This is the right thing to do. And I said, wait a minute. Nobody will ever be able to coach for you again. Nobody will ever be able to play for you again. You owe this to football. You owe it to all of us to stay in the business. And he says, no, he said, this is the right thing to do, you know. And and to me, that type of, of uh, honesty, that type of feeling, that type of dealing with losing, um, he went on to, to, to go to San Diego and they had a 14 and two and a 13 and three year. And, you know, he was he was tremendous that way. But but losing is temporary. And, and Marty taught us all that. Let me ask you both this question as we wrap things up this morning and this has been just a great conversation um Emil, let me start with you what what would you say the greatest lesson you learned from marty schottenheimer was and how's that affected your life um i mean that's that's he formed and shaped so much of my life and i would say the biggest thing is when you do fail because you will what are you going to do are you going to lay there and wallow in, or are you going to get up? And I know that over and over in my life, I've failed, and I have been able to, by the grace of God, and I would say a lot of what I learned as a chief helped me get up and not just lay there and wallow in it. And to always put yourself in the position to do, to do the best, that is preparation. And that is one thing that Marty, I think, did for me as a player, you know, playing for him because he was a coach that always wanted to put players in the best position to win, to do the best that they could do. And that's something that I've always wanted to do for my own children and for players that I have coaches put them in the best position to succeed. 
That's great. Al, what about you? Well, there's so many things, you know. Uh, I think probably the most impactful thing that, that Marty did uh, for me from a professional and a personal standpoint, um, and, and Emil has alluded to this several times in the, in the word of preparation, you know, preparation and detail. M- Marty was he was the only coach I've ever been around that on Saturday stood up in front of the team and gave the entire game plan, offense, defense, and special team. His attention to detail was phenomenal. You know, he was an English major. He was articulate. He was, uh, you know, just a man who who left no no T's uncrossed and no I's not dotted. He was a, a, a fanatic for detail, and he passed that on to all of us in our personal life uh, and in our professional life. What? Uh, one more question for each of you. Emil, start with you. What did Marty Schottenheimer mean to the NFL? I think he epitomized the NFL in a guy who played, coached, and made his way up the ranks, taking with him bits and pieces from everything. And that's kind of what the NFL is like when you think about where it started to where it is now. And where it's going is that the game will evolve. And Marty, I believe, evolved with the game. He wasn't just the coach that said, hey, line up and run into each other, and that makes you tough. He basically understood each player's capabilities, their limitations, and he had compassion, and I think that was important. But he also was tough as nails, and you can do both. So, he, so he was able to balance it out, is what you're saying? Right. You could do both. You could have both. You had to be. You had to understand the situation to know which was appropriate. Al, about and Marty did that really well. Al, in 30 seconds, if you could sum sum that up as well, then we got to finish up. Well, Marty meant to the NFL what the NFL is. And, and that's, uh, you know, men of character, uh, men of competitiveness, uh, men of trust, men of loyalty, uh, men of leadership, and men of passion for the game of football. Uh, Marty had more passion and more love for the game, both as a player and as a coach, uh, compared to many, many people I've, I've been around. He was an example of what's right, an example of what's good about the National Football League. Al Saunders, Emil Harry, I cannot thank you both enough for joining me this morning, sharing your thoughts about the Pascal Marty Schottenheimer. Obviously, a great man in both your lives. He's left a tremendous impact on both of you. Thank you both so much for being with us this morning. And uh, good luck to both of you. I'll, I'll be in touch. And and want to thank everybody for listening. You know, the, our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB on my website, winnersunlimited.com, and on all the sites, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple iTunes. You can listen to it. Have people listen to this. These gentlemen shared a great story about a great man. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Take care. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development 
Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 